You filled your belly. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rollinson from LightningInsider.com. And what's what's the saying? We're back. Okay, just for a day. Yes, it's been a few days since we've been off. Tampa Bay played on Monday. Hope everybody had a joyous and wonderful Christmas break. Three days off from action from the NHL. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I have to appreciate the fact that the NHL takes some time off during Christmas for a break as opposed to some other leagues who had about, what, five straight games on Christmas Day? But we won't talk about that. No, it's very appreciative to have the time off and to be able to spend some time with family because – I mean, let's face it, too. It's like vacation sometimes. Sometimes there's a lot of work that goes into it that just doesn't feely, really feel much like a break. As, uh, you know, with a game Monday night and then Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and then maybe yesterday was about the day where you felt that perhaps, perhaps maybe it was a little bit of a, of a restful time in terms of the hockey schedule and, and those involved directly with the game. So, I know I appreciated it. I know Connor appreciated it. He had an opportunity to fly home for a couple of days for Christmas. Uh, fortunate that he made it back. You never know what northeast weather is going to present. Uh, so it's good to have everybody back on board here at Lightning Lunch. So the Lightning are just now getting onto the ice for their first practice coming out of the break. They will host back-to-back home games this weekend. Tomorrow night, it's the Montreal Canadiens. On Sunday, it will be the Detroit Red Wings. What was that about basketball I was talking about? Those are both 7 p.m. puck drops. Interesting that uh, Montreal's here tomorrow. Detroit's in Sunrise on Saturday, and they flip-flop for Sunday. So both teams will also have back-to-back situations so no advantage no disadvantage Montreal practiced this morning back home they flying here today I saw a couple of their media members already in town gee I, I wonder why everybody likes to have the post Christmas game here in Tampa because they always come down a few days early even even saw Pierre Lebrun hanging out at practice today as well so um, back to work the league is back in action tonight as well there's a ton of games on the schedule there's a ton of Atlantic Division games on the schedule as well so as Tampa Bay sits idle and they continue to have games in hand on everybody they'll lose some games or gain you know another game in hand tonight with a bunch of other games going on around the league and if my computer would warm up 
at all. It's been on a little bit of a hibernated freeze as well, apparently. It doesn't want to cooperate. So, okay, well, we'll get to those uh, what those games are tonight um, as we go along here. If anybody listened to Monday's show, which I hope you did, we had Stacy Roost on talking about the World Juniors. I had mentioned to you a couple of times, if you have not taken in this tournament at any point in the past number of years, if you're just new to following the Lightning, if you're just new to following hockey and the NHL in general, the World Juniors is underway. It started yesterday. And, you know, I talked about how entertaining it could be, how back and forth it could be, how fun it can be to watch. Well, we got a treat yesterday with Canada and the U.S., so we'll talk a little bit about that as well, including a Lightning prospect who picked up a goal in that game. Again, Tampa Bay has three prospects taking place in that tournament. I think I only mentioned two the other day. Uh, Nolan Foote, Tampa Bay's first-round draft pick this past year, is participating. Goaltender Hugo Alnefelt is participating with Sweden. And I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize. Uh, Max Sajovic is taking place with Slovakia. Slovakia was in action earlier today. Team USA, by the way. There's only two games on the schedule today, but Team USA is back in action against Germany. That's at 1 p.m. on NHL Network. So as soon as we are off the airwaves, the NHL Network will have the USA-Germany game for you. Well, we'll also keep an eye on practice, see what's going on out there with the team. There was a roster move made today as Matthew Joseph was assigned back to the Syracuse Crunch. He was recalled on Monday, played in Monday's game as Tyler Johnson was held out. Uh, I did see Tyler Johnson make his way out onto the ice. So, you know, there's a lot of questions about you know why Tampa Bay would do this, why they would yo-yo a player like this. There's salary cap implications that I have to think that they're monitoring. As I've mentioned before, the salary cap is something that is <coughs> accumulated on a daily basis. So the more money you can save in the early part of the season... That means the more available space you'll have as we get closer to February and the trade deadline. You know, because it'll say that Tampa Bay right now has about $1.6 million in available cap space. Don't let that number stand out to you. Because what that means is, is the more space you can open up as you get closer to training or trade deadline means the bigger potential salary you could add. I'm not saying they are. I'm not trying to start a rumor. But you want to have as much flexibility as possible if you're Julian Brisebois as you get close to the deadline as possible because it just it just opens up so many opportunities for you. Right now they have 48 contracts, so you have some roster flexibility in that aspect, two under the limit of 50. And the more cap space you open up means the larger potential salaried player you could bring in. Because, let's just say as an example, if the Lightning wanted to bring in a player with a $7 million salary cap hit, 
Well, that doesn't mean they need $7 million of available cap space. They just need the necessarily cap space to pay that particular player for the remainder of the year. So if we're two-thirds of the way through the season, that means they're only responsible for paying two-thirds of that salary cap, which means only two-thirds of the salary cap hit is what they're responsible for when you acquire a player. So like Taylor Hall, for instance. Is he making this year $6 million? First of all, the Devils retained 50% of that. And then because Arizona acquired him two months into the season, what is that, that's a third, roughly? So that means they're only responsible for one-third of the $3 million minus whatever he'd been paid up until the date that he was acquired by the Coyotes. Because with Tampa Bay sending back Matthew Joseph, not only do you want him to get some playing time, it's still, even though he was with the team all of last year, it is still better for a player in his situation who can still be moved up and down without having to go through the waiver wire. It's still better for him to be playing games in Syracuse than to be sitting and watching games here in Tampa Bay if it's going to be on a regular basis. Mitchell Stevens' play has been solid in the short sample size we've seen from him. So I think his play has sort of dictated some of these moves here. The Lightning have made in terms of who who's in the roster, who's in the lineup, all this other that goes along with it. So Matthew Joseph was sent back down to Syracuse. Uh, their season gets back underway tonight. Which, again, if you're new, you can listen to Syracuse Crunch games here on Lightning Power Play when they don't conflict head-to-head -head with Lightning games. So Syracuse is back in action tonight. They will host... I'll find it. They're actually at Binghamton tonight. So that's a 7 o'clock puck drop. So 7 p.m., Syracuse is back in action. So expect Matthew Joseph to be in the lineup for the crunch tonight as they return to action. Of course, Tampa Bay is back in action tomorrow. So what this all means also for Tyler Johnson is that they expect him to be ready. I know John Cooper, when he spoke on Monday – mentioned how the idea was to give Johnson a few more days off because he just kind of kept aggravating whenever, whatever it was that kept him out of the lineup uh, for four games earlier in the week. So uh, Tyler Johnson looks like he'll be ready to go for tomorrow because that only means 12 healthy forwards. So they're only carrying technically 21 on the roster right now. 22 if you want to count Braden Coburn, who looks like he's getting closer and closer to a return. I would expect that perhaps maybe he's ready, not necessarily by this weekend, but by the time the team heads to Buffalo to open up a four-game trip on New Year's Eve. 
again, I don't have any insight on that other than what I've seen from Braden here the last little while. So sounds like he uh, looks like he's getting close anyway. So um, that'll put them back at 22. Uh, but as of right now, just 21 healthy bodies on the roster, which again goes back to the salary cap situation that I had mentioned that the more you save now, the more room you have down the road. Um, all right, Monday's game. Well, we'll do that. We'll we'll do that after the break. Um, the games tonight, as I mentioned, there's a there's a few of them that involve Atlantic Division games, uh, including Boston at Buffalo. That's a seven o'clock puck drop. Bruins all of a sudden. Banged up. No Charlie McAvoy tonight. Tory Krug was placed on injured reserve earlier today. Uh, a couple of hard hits they took from the Capitals on Monday. I believe Tom Wilson hit. Um, who did he? I think he hit McAvoy. I know that uh, T.J. Oshie hit. Uh, maybe maybe Oshie hit McAvoy, and it was Tom Wilson hit Tory Krug, uh, which all of a sudden has all the people in Boston. And I quote a fan who called their team a bunch of wimps, end quote, which is interesting. Uh, Toronto is in New Jersey. That is also a 7 o'clock game. So those are the two games, three teams in the Atlantic back in action tonight. I mentioned Detroit will be in Florida tomorrow. There's two of the other ones involved as well. Carolina is at the Rangers. Columbus and their... I think it points in eight straight, Columbus does. In Washington to face the Capitals. Pittsburgh's in Nashville. St. Louis is in Winnipeg. Minnesota's in Colorado. Islanders in Chicago. Calgary's at Edmonton. Vegas is in Anaheim. And the LA Kings are in San Jose. And keep in mind, not that it affects Tampa Bay in this case, but all of these games that are taking place tonight None of the teams were allowed to travel yesterday. Per the CBA, there are no team activities the 24th, the 25th, and the 26th. So that means all of these games, teams are either flying in the morning, taking part in a morning skate, or as I saw with Carolina, they had their morning skate in Raleigh before they fly to New York for tonight. This is one of those occasions where you have to fly in the day of game because it's mandatory. The NHL is mandatory that you're supposed to be in the city. You're playing in the night before. Obviously, you can't do that here. I do remember a couple years ago, Connor, you might remember this, the Philadelphia Flyers got themselves in some hot water because they did not want to fly to Nashville the day of the game under the CBA, so they actually flew without the NHL's knowledge to Nashville the night before. And I believe they were levied, levied a fine. Which is, but it's it's weird. It's a weird scenario because if the coaching staff comes to the players and says, hey, we want to travel. Let's take a vote. Who wants to travel the night before? Well, what kind of a position does that put the players in? Because if they don't want to do it, because it's mandated by the CBA that there's not supposed to be, I mean, are they going to go complain to the NHOPA? I mean, you, it puts the players in a difficult spot. You know, it's like any employer and the employee. 
employee says, hey, I need you to work this weekend, and you say, well, I'm already scheduled to have this off, what are you supposed to do? So the Flyers got themselves in a little bit of hot water a couple years ago. Not that it was a big deal. Not that it was that big of a deal. All right, we're going to talk about Monday's game against Florida. A lot of things I liked in that game. Uh, we're going to do that. So we're going to take our first break here. Right now you are listening to Lightning Lunch on Lightning Power Play, and we'll come back and talk about Monday's game right after this. Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with Lightning Lunch. It's your window to wait game. On Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rowlandson, your host from lightninginsider.com. We're going to talk about Monday's game against the Florida Panthers. Still want to discuss what's going on at the World Juniors. We'll do this every day. We're on the air through the end of the tournament, especially in regards to how it affects the Lightning prospects. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and as always, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskEE. If my computer decides to cooperate, uh, I will get to those questions. You can also email me. That's eric at lightninginsider.com. It's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. All right, Monday's game against the Florida Panthers I thought was a statement game. We had talked about it beforehand that it almost felt, even though it was just December the 23rd, that it was... Almost a must-win game. Didn't have to win it, of course. It's a game number 34 on the schedule. But it felt like it was a game they had to have. With the hole that they've put themselves in, in the middle of the standings, they've been outside of a playoff spot since October the 26th. And with the start of the first of six consecutive games against Atlantic Division opponents, and they sat three points behind the Panthers, it felt like it was a game they had to win. So if you want to label that must win, we'll label that must win. Because those are those proverbial four-point swings. Just like you'll have tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. This is another big game. This is another huge game for Tampa Bay, even though we're only sitting here on December the 28th. You know, and they're still within striking distance. It's not as if things are so bleak that we need to start looking at top draft prospects. We're nowhere near that. But here we sit. Tampa Bay is sixth in the Atlantic right now. They sit just one point behind both Buffalo and Florida. 
Montreal sits in third place at 42. And then Toronto is at 44 points as they've kind of gotten on a little bit of a roll here with a five-game winning streak. So the Leafs sit at 20-14-4. And, and again, we, there's, we'll still talk about the games in hand. Believe me, they're about to catch up on that aspect. Because you, you look at the schedule here coming up. This weekend starts a situation of three consecutive weekends where the Lightning play back-to-back -back games. You have Montreal and Detroit this weekend. Next weekend they will be in Ottawa, then Carolina. Then I believe the weekend after that is Jersey and Philadelphia. If memory serves, I don't have it directly in front of me. I think that's what it is. Either way, they're road games that are back-to-back. -back. So you're going to be in a situation now where Tampa Bay is going to start making up some of these games in hand, but they still have three games in hand on Buffalo. They still have a game in hand on Florida, two games in hand on Montreal, and three games in hand on, on Toronto. But this is where the difference. Had Tampa Bay lost, had they lost that game in regulation to Florida, they would actually be tied in points with Ottawa. And then you would have lost two more points to Florida, so they would be at 43. That's, you'd be five points behind them. I take that back. They'd have been two points ahead of, of Ottawa. Might be time to... Change the old contacts, Connor. If I can't read properly. It's getting close. Four more days, I'll change the contacts out. Like the lenses. Because I keep them on schedule. I don't have dailies, I have monthlies. Either way, Tampa Bay would be at 38 points. The Florida Panthers would be at 43. That's They would be five points behind as, as it is instead. Now they're just one point behind. So now we're looking at another big game tomorrow. Again, a regulation win puts Tampa Bay in a playoff spot depending on what happens with the Sabres tonight. So by tomorrow night, they could be in a playoff spot. And then you get to Sunday's game against Detroit. Well, you better not lose that one. You better not lose that one at all. But the first one you got to get through is tomorrow night. You absolutely have to win, I think, tomorrow night's game as well. And we talked about what it would take for Tampa Bay in the six-game stretch. I think they have to probably go 5-1. and one. But I think the wins have to come against Florida, which they did. I think they have to come against Montreal. Tomorrow night, you have another game in Montreal next week. And then you have Buffalo on Monday. I think those are four games that you absolutely have to have. Then you have to figure you're going to beat – you have to beat Detroit. I think you have to beat Ottawa too. Those are two teams that – as tough, as tough as an opponent as Ottawa has been for a lot of teams this year, not just Tampa Bay, but for a lot of teams. And as we said, it's time to get on a roll. And did Saturday's game meet that criteria? Maybe. Maybe it did. Doesn't hurt that 19 or 41 seconds into the game you start with a goal. 
And sometimes that cannot be necessarily be a good thing. I've seen this plenty of times through my years that a goal on the opening shift of a game is not necessarily a good thing. Sometimes it's almost too quick of a start. In this case, it wasn't really. The Panthers did have a little bit of a pushback after the Lightning got on the board early. But as the game went on, Tampa Bay just took complete control of it. Victor Hedman made it 2-0 at 1506. Mikhail Sergachev made it 3-0 with a power play goal at 1803. And this is what I liked about the Lightning. Again, you look for these kind of things. Okay, you have a three-goal lead going into the break. And then you give up a power play goal. You take a couple of penalties. You put yourself in a situation. Once again, a too many men in the ice call. Early in the second, gave the Panthers 22 seconds of a five-on-three. So you're thinking, okay, how are they going to settle themselves down? And they, while they did give up the goal to Jonathan Huberto on a deflection, 247 in, cuts it to 3-1, and as Steve Farah, who follows me on Twitter and points these, these type of things out to me a lot, how many times has the Lightning had a 3-1 lead this year and then not score the fourth but give up the second and then it becomes a tight game? So here they were, having given up a power play goal. And then you take another bench penalty at the 6.50 mark of the second period. Braden Point takes a holding the stick call at 15.33 of the second period. The second didn't have a lot of flow to it because there was a ton of, of special teams that went on. You know, there were a total of five penalties plus a carryover of a minute 43, or there was a carryover penalty. So basically there were six six power plays in the second period. So there wasn't a whole lot of flow to it at all. But the Lightning never looked like they were in danger. You know, after the first period, oh, come on, computer. After the first period, Tampa Bay was in complete control of the game, right? We talk a lot about puck possession, shot attempts, and what that means to a game. Well, for Tampa Bay, it was once again a 60% possession game. And that was even though in the second period, it was Florida that had a lot of the puck just because of the, the flow and, and the way that the the game went in terms of penalties and everything like that. But it was a dominant first period. They got rewarded. The shot attempts at just at 5-on-5 five five in the first period were 24-9 to nine for Tampa Bay. So even though in the second period it was 21-11 to 11 in favor of Florida, you never felt like Tampa Bay was in danger. And then they took advantage of their two third period or second period power play opportunities. Alex Kalorn answered the Huberto goal with a rebound 
at 5.53. Nikita Kucherov made it 5-1 at 9.52. And then Victor Hedman adds his second late in the third. And then in the third, okay, all right, it's 5-1. But you knew Florida was going to make a push. And the Lightning just kept it playing a simple game. How much we talk about it all the time. A simple game. Didn't stop playing the way they did, but didn't also take the type of risks and low percentage plays, if you will, that tends to fuel another team. Tends to allow them momentum to get back into a game. That goes back to the, okay, here you are again up 3-1. What are you going to do next? Are you going to score the next goal or are you going to give it up? They scored it, and then the third period they went out and protected it. Didn't give the Panthers an opportunity to feel like they could get back into the game. And again, by the end of it, 60% puck shot possession or shot possession in the, in the third period equates to 50, 57% for the full game, but 59% at even strength. So there were a lot of things to like about that game. A good way to go into the three-game break, kind of re-catch yourself a little bit, gain your footing a little bit, if you will. So a key game I felt they had to have, and they found a way to make sure they got the two points. Yes, we can talk a lot about how in the past month they have been a good puck possession team. They have created chances. They have had a situation to where they've been the better team and not gotten the result. They haven't been rewarded as much for their possession game as maybe you would think they would be. As some of the advanced stats will tell you that they are among, still among some of the elite teams in the league, and that's where I've mentioned before you have to trust that that's the way things are going if you don't beat yourselves in a lot of these games Tampa Bay has beat themselves and then in Monday's game you know they got rewarded for all that puck possession in the first period right they had the puck a lot in the first period put up three goals and then kind of maintained from then on out So a lot to like about that game. Now, what do you do tomorrow? How do you maintain this? Can you find a way to put together, start to put together the type of stretch they're going to have to do to put themselves in a better situation? put together, I don't know, a five-game winning streak as Toronto has done. Put together an eight-point or eight-game point streak as Columbus has done. I mean, they're going to have to do it. They can't keep going on this win-two-lose-two situation they've been on throughout most of the season. And this is the perfect time to start that little run. 
thought Andre Vasilevsky was was good in the game. I assume he'll get the start tomorrow. I would assume that McElhaney gets a start on Sunday in back-to-back -back games. We'll have to wait and see exactly how it plays out, but I have no reason to doubt that it won't play out that way. So, as they say, the time is nigh for the Lightning to get on this little run, and I thought Monday was a really good opportunity to get on that that little run as they will. I, I told you about some of the injury updates with Montreal. They did practice this morning before they took off uh, for Tampa. They'll be in town later this afternoon ahead of tomorrow's game. Uh, Paul Byron remains out. He's still considered week-to-week. Byron has been out since November 15th with a knee injury. And then a new one that popped up for Montreal is Joel Armia. He suffered an upper body injury in Monday's game in Winnipeg. Uh, he is also considered out week to week. Of course, Montreal still without Jonathan Julian, who will not play tomorrow. He will not be available next week either. Uh, but there is a chance that uh, Montreal's first-round pick last year in 2018, uh, Jesperi Kokanyemi, could be back. He was centering the third line at practice today, so there's a chance that he could find his way back into the lineup as well. So uh, that's your Montreal Canadiens update. Uh, again, nothing so far coming out of lightning practice as, again, they hit the ice at noon today coming out of the break. Speaking of breaks, let's take our second break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the World Juniors that's taking place. Uh, again, there was a game this morning that involved a lightning prospect. There were two games yesterday that involved lightning prospects. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit and maybe set you up a little bit for the USA game that comes up at the top of the hour. We'll do that when we come back right after this. Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with Lightning Lunch. It's your window to wait game. On Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Last show of this week. We took a break earlier in the week for Christmas. We'll also take a break next week on New Year's Day. So there will be no show on New Year's Day. We will have one on New Year's Eve, however, as there is a game that night. Uh, and with all of these road games coming up, it's a good time to remind you that after road games, myself and Greg Linelli have the last call for you right here on Lightning Power Play. So if you're listening to the game, if you're looking for the game, and then you find out, ah, the game's over, what am I going to do now? Just stick around because me and Greg will have you covered. Uh, we do take phone calls. We do take your tweets 
as well uh, on the last call. So that's after road games. So that'll start New Year's Eve. Yes, we will have a New Year's Eve postgame show after the game in Buffalo. All right, World Junior Time. Uh, again, if you've heard me talk about it, if you were listening to Monday's show, this is such a great tournament. So much fun to watch. It's an under-20 tournament, so basically it's a lot of 19-year-old players. You do have some 18-year-olds. Uh, we got a really up-close look at the projected number one overall pick, uh, Alexis Lafreniere from Canada uh, in yesterday's game. Uh, that USA-Canada game, which it's a, it's a big international rivalry, especially in recent years as the U.S., has become more prominent, especially at this tournament. This used to be a tournament that Canada owned. I mean, it was owned by Canada. I think they won golds in eight straight years. And, you know, you, you, you hear the argument sometimes when, when it comes to the women's game that there's too many blowouts. How can they continue to do this? Well, what happens sometimes when you have this type of run of success or domination by you know one country in these tournaments usually it, it tends to bring if federations are willing to put some money into it to promote and grow the game you get teams that get better well the US national development program is a big reason why the US is now considered such a power at the international level they've dominated the under 18s for the last number of years but other teams have gotten better. Sweden has gotten so much stronger. The Czech Republic. I mean, Russia is always a strong team. But you have Slovakia. Kazakhstan is taking place in this year's tournament. Switzerland has become so much better on the international stage. And in tournaments such as this. But Canada-U.S. is a huge rivalry. Usually this game used to take place a lot on New Year's Eve. Uh, but it was the opening game of the tournament for both teams yesterday. U.S. took a 2-0 lead. They fell behind 4-2. Canadians scored four unanswered goals. U.S. ties it up 4-4. The next shift, after they tie the game, they a, a bad giveaway by Keandre Miller, who was a New York Rangers draft pick. I believe he's at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, with a bad pass in his own end that Lafreniere picked off and, and scored, but this is what we talk about with how fun this game, this tournament can be when the U.S. has a 2-0 lead after the first period. Canada scores three goals in the second. They add to the lead in the in the third to take a 4-2 lead. U.S. comes back. They actually tied the game with a power play goal with 3.18 left to go and then Canada regained the lead again the next shift seven seconds after. Uh, in that game, Nolan Foote, the Lightning's first-round draft pick from this past year, did get on the scoreboard. He notched a power play goal at the 13:03 mark of the second period. It was the third goal for Canada that put them ahead 3-2 at the time. If you saw that, the goal he scored, you understand why he was a first-round draft pick. You know, there were some questions, can he skate, and, you know, whatever you want to label it as. But that shot that he put forth, it was a one-timer from the right circle. 
he there was a it was a stick check right as he was getting the shot off and he just powered through it and tucked the puck into the top near post for a, a beautiful goal. Uh, his first of the tournament, the first time he's participated in this tournament, as I mentioned, it's usually a tournament dominated by 19-year-olds, uh, usually players who have already been drafted. Um, so this was his first tournament, it's, and Team Canada is a difficult team to make. Um, so Foote yesterday ended up with the goal, ended up with three shots on goal, finished with 11 minutes of ice time on 19 shifts. So that was Nolan, uh, Nolan Foote. Uh, in his play yesterday for Team Canada. Canada's off today. They will take on Russia tomorrow in a pretty big game for the Russians because they lost their opener to the Czech Republic, uh, the host country. So they were kind of stunned a little bit by uh, the Czech Republic yesterday. All right, we also talked with Stacy Roost on Monday about Swedish goaltender Hugo Alnefeldt. Again, a draft pick of Tampa Bay this past year. He did win gold for Sweden at the under-18 World Championships. And even when we talked to Stacy, he wasn't sure because of the way the Swedish roster was put together with a couple of uh, goalies who are a year older than Alnefeldt, what kind of playing time he would get. And it was Alnefeldt who got the start yesterday for Sweden, the Swedes did knock off defending champion Finland. Uh, they did have to rally in that game, tying the game with the 5:09 left to play before Sweden would go on to win it in overtime. Uh, Alnafelt finished with 22 saves uh, to pick up the victory, and this is an incredible stat with Sweden. And again, they had to rally to win the game yesterday. They have won, and if the way the tournament is set up, you have two groups of five, Group A, Group B. You play four games in five days. That sets up the rankings when you get to the, to the medal rounds. So in those preliminary round games, Sweden has now won 49 consecutive preliminary round games. That's an incredible stat. Uh, for Sweden. Uh, so Hugo Alnefelt was in action yesterday. This morning, in a game between Slovakia and Kazakhstan, I mentioned Kazakhstan in the tournament, Lightning draft pick Max Kajovic, Sajovic, I knew I was going to mess it up, Sakovic, that's what it is, it's Sakovic, third time's a charm, Connor. Max Sikovic, um is with Slovakia. He did pick up an assist on the opening goal this morning. This morning, our time. Obviously, it's afternoon over in the Czech Republic. Uh, so he finishes with 17 minutes of ice time. Uh, no shots on goal, but he did pick up the one assist on a power play goal that opened the scoring for Slovakia, which went on to win the game 3-1. to one against Kazakhstan, so Sokovic in action earlier today. As I mentioned, USA-Germany will take place at 1 o'clock as soon as we're off the air. Uh, those are the only two games on the schedule today. Tomorrow, 
with games involving Lightning prospects. Uh, Sweden will play Switzerland at 1 o'clock Eastern time. And Slovakia will play Finland. That is at 9 a.m. That game is on the air, so you're waking up. You can turn on NHL Network and uh, I don't know if they'll cover the Finland-Slovakia game or the Czech-Germany game, uh, which also takes place at 9 o'clock, but um, NHL Network is carrying a good part of this tournament. And then I mentioned the Russia-Canada game, which will take place at 1 o'clock as well. That's a big game in Group B. And then on Sunday, you have Sweden in action against Kazakhstan and Canada in action against Germany. Slovakia will be off on Sunday. So those uh, those are the upcoming games this weekend. Uh, when we get to Monday's show, we'll recap what took place over the weekend. Again, we'll discuss the Lightning prospects and how they're doing because uh, it's always it's a great tournament for players to take part in because there's a lot on the line. It's a lot of pressure to be under. There's a lot of well, there's a lot of riding so you, you get into these pressure-type games and how do you perform and uh, everything like that. So always fun to miss or, or to catch this tournament because it's just, it's just a lot of fun. So if you haven't had a chance to catch it yet, please take it in at some point, especially when you get to the, the elimination games. And the way the format is set up, you have five teams in each group. The first four teams will advance to the medal rounds. And whoever finishes first in Group A will play the team that finished fourth in Group B. Vice versa for for the other side of the bracket. And then, of course, the number two and number three teams will also take part uh, in the medal round. So um, if you're the U.S., you need to find a way to bounce back, especially with Russia already lost. Uh, Russia is on the schedule up for the U.S., um, and then the bottom two teams face each other to avoid relegation down to the um, Division Two, basically, is what it is. Uh, so check out, please check out the World Juniors if you haven't done it. it again, it's just it's just a lot, a lot of fun. All right, uh, as was expected, I didn't get any questions in today as we kind of rushed our way back onto the airwaves today. Uh, if you are listening, though, uh, our friend Doug, who gave away tickets last week to a couple of games, has one available if you want to join him for both games this weekend. So if you're listening and you're riding solo and you want to go to a game and you want somebody to go with, uh, Doug has a ticket for you. So reach out to me on Twitter or email me, eric at lightninginsider.com. And uh, we'll see if we can't get you in touch with Doug. Uh, have to be a Lightning fan, though. No Montreal fans. No Detroit fans. I know there's a lot of them that are going to be in the stands this weekend. There's always a lot of red when those two teams do come into town. So if you're a Lightning fan and you want to find your way to a game this weekend and you're flying solo, Doug has an opportunity for you to go to the game, so if you want to contact me, uh, we'll get you in contact um, with Doug moving forward. All right, so we don't have any questions for you. 
coming in from the audience. So we'll just give a couple of programming notes. Uh, no lightning power play live tonight. Greg is making his way back from visiting family this week. So there's no lightning power play live tonight. This show itself will replay at 3 and 6. And then later on tonight, uh, so if you're currently listening to the 6 o'clock replay, Syracuse Crunch Hockey is coming up next. Uh, not right now. Syracuse Crunch play at 7 tonight. But if you're listening to the replay at 6. So this, this show takes the place of Lightning Power Play Live. Uh, Greg is expected to be back in his usual spot tomorrow night uh, with Lightning Power Play Live at 5.30. Pre-game show at 6. Uh, quick injury update involving the Detroit Red Wings, who are here on Sunday. We mentioned that. Anthony Mantha is out a minimum of four weeks. So a big part of the Red Wings team uh, not available for Sunday's game. Again, the Red Wings are just, they have just fallen on completely, completely hard time. Steve Eisenman has quite the rebuilding project on his hands. And, and I guess this is, you're paying for the sins of, not the sins, that's a wrong, wrong term, but you're paying for all the success that the Wings had for so many years. They're 9-26-3 heading into this weekend. Their goal differential, this will blow your mind, Connor, minus 68. In 38 games, they're minus 68 in goal differential. How does that happen? That's a bad hockey team. I mean, they, they're on pace to, to set some of the bad records. I'm not going to challenge, you know, some of the was it the Washington Capitals here? They only won one road game. I think they only won eight games all year. But they're just falling on completely hard times. So again, that's why I say that's a game you have to win if you're Tampa Bay. You can't lose, especially now that Mantha's out. I mean, they don't have a lot of offense to begin with. Dylan Larkin, good player. Their goaltending's been pretty pretty poor um, but the Red Wings of course will be here on set I just want I just want to look at some of their stats just to see how bad this is for Detroit I mean so 926 and three they're at a 276 point percentage their goals against per game 3.92 I mean they're giving up almost four goals a game that is not good. The next closest team is the San Jose Sharks in terms of goals given up. They're at 3.47. So they're giving up almost half a goal more per game than any other team in the league. So you convert that out over a full season. Yikes. Penalty kill is worse in the league at 73.2. Not a surprise. Their power play, 
24th at 16.7%. And they're, I don't want to look at that. Let's see how badly they get scored on early in games. Um, goals against. All right, here we go. They've given up 59 goals in the second period and 55 in the third. So they wear down. They wear down as the game goes on. As I look here, there are 59 goals against in the second period. No other team in the league has given up more than 47 by my eye. So they've given up 12 more goals in the second period than any other team in the league. First period, they're okay. But their second period goal differential, minus 31. And their third period goal differential is minus 26. But it's that middle it's that middle period. The next worst team is minus 17 in the second period. And that's Chicago. And then third period, they're kind of in line. Minus 26, San Jose minus 24, Jersey's minus 22. So hard days in, uh, in Detroit for uh, for the Red Wings and Steve Eisenman trying to rebuild that, uh, that, that team back up. Uh, it's going to be hard for somebody else to – or hard for that team to kind of find their way back to the type of success when uh, when they try and build back up. But uh, long road ahead for Steve. It's not like when he came here. When he came here, he already had a Steven Stamkos. There was already a Victor Hedman. At the time, Vinny LeCavalier and Marty St. Louis were here. Now, he's done a, he did a tremendous, tremendous job of building up the Lightning prospect pool and the farm team and all that. And he's a big reason why this team continues to have the sustained success that they have and the pipeline that they have as well. But, boy, does he have a tough, tough job ahead of him in Detroit. All right, that's going to wrap up the show today. Um, we'll see what we can do in, in terms of the ticket. I get uh, Chris has piped in. He was hooked up last week. We'll, we'll see if anybody else wants to be able to uh, go with Doug this weekend. Just let me know. Find me on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskEE or email me, eric at lightninginsider.com. We'll see if we can get you set up with that. All right, Tampa Bay back in action tomorrow coming out of the break, 7 p.m. against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, opening face-off show will be back at 4.30 tomorrow. That's with Bobby the Chief Taylor and his select Lightning player. Lightning Power Play Live is on at 5.30 uh, on Sunday. Detroit's in town, 7 o'clock. No opening face-off for that one, but... Lightning Power Play Live at 5.30. All right, that's going to wrap up today's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody.